HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Fiji Water and Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Baer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, March 28, 2018. This is the 171st episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top editor of Food and Drink for a premier book publisher, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to do your homework. Always walk into a new business meeting or interview or any situation ready. Take time to do your research. Being well prepared will not only increase your confidence, but it will help you make a more favorable impression that could lead to new opportunities. So aim to be the most organized person in the room. You can never be too ready. That's my tip today. Now I'm really excited to have my guest in the studio with me. It is Emily Takudis. She is the executive commissioning editor of Food and Drink at the global publisher Fidon, which is headquartered in New York and London. Emily has held this position since 2014 and has worked in book publishing since 1998. She was at Little Brown and Simon and Schuster before focusing on cookbooks at Echo and Clarkson Potter. So welcome, Emily. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you here. I'm so excited to talk books, (laughs) food chef books with you, um, because it's such an interesting 
category. I feel it just has developed so much, too, over the years. So I always like to start with my guests of their background and how they got into what they're doing now. Did you always want to be in publishing? That was not the plan. Um, (laughs) I sort of fell into publishing, and then you could say I fell into the food aspect of it. Um, I'm from a small town, Dover, Delaware, where I grew up and uh, spent my high school years in the South, actually, in North Carolina and in uh, Texas. And book publishing was not really on my radar at that time. I was an avid reader. My mother was a bookseller. I loved books, but book publishing as a career was not something that had even occurred to me. Um, I was actually training as a ballet dancer in those early years, so hence going away to high school and away every summer. And actually, after high school graduation, I moved to Germany and lived in Stuttgart and Berlin for four years, where I was training and performing um, and experiencing life in Europe for that time. So um, I wasn't even sure if I was going to college or not. You know, that was really the path that I was on. And then when I turned 22, I decided I'm going to go to college And I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Um, And I was considered an older student at the time. And I'd already sort of had a a life. It wasn't really a career, but I had already pursued this path. So it was this moment to really think, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to study? What's my plan? So when I graduated, actually shortly before I graduated, um, I was 25, and I thought publishing might be something that I was interested in. And I'd been spending a lot of time in L.A., Um, My boyfriend, who's now my husband, was in L.A., so I was spending time there, and I decided to do an internship at an independent book publisher. And I kind of did a little bit of everything from copy editing to mailing things and looking at proofs, and I really really enjoyed it, and it was just a taste. Um, And then when I graduated, I decided to move to New York City and try out the book publishing thing. Um, So, yeah, so it was not something on on my mind at all. I thought... Maybe, I don't know, I heard editorial assistant is where you start. I had absolutely no connections in the publishing industry. And it was actually my uncle who went to hospitality school Uh, (laughs) at Cornell, as it turns out. But he had a friend he'd went to high school with many years before. He'd heard that she was an editor. And I got in touch with her. Um, Email was just starting up. And I emailed her. And she sent me a list of names of people in book publishing. And I started doing informational interviews. And uh, that's how I became an editorial assistant at Little Brown. That was in 1999. Wow. So we moved to New York about the same time because I moved okay. here in ni- 1998. Okay. And I've been to a football game in, in Madison. I have not. <laughs> oh, really? You <laughs> never went? I never went. <laughs> I went to University of Michigan. Okay. So, And I had some friends there. So I, I visited once and over Halloween. I remember <laughs> oh. it very well. Or it was fun. Uh, so... Yeah, so I moved here in 98. You're here in 99. So so with your, uh, I mean, you've been doing this now for a long time. So I guess you found, you you enjoyed it or you found your, you found that it was a career for you. I loved it. Okay. I absolutely loved it. And you know, even though 25, we look back, we think that's so young, but I was sort of four years behind all the other editorial assistants who'd come fresh out of college. And I was eager, it wasn't that I wanted to move quickly, but I was really eager to make something of it and see if this is what I wanted to do. And, um, it just, here we are almost 20 years later, it just kind of happened. You know, I be I started, as I said, as an editorial assistant and became um, an assistant editor there and then uh, went to Simon & Schuster, um, where I became an associate editor um, and was working on books that other people were signing up, mostly nonfiction, even though I'd been doing a little bit of literary fiction and literary memoir at Little Brown. 
But at Simon & Schuster, I realized how much I loved the nonfiction category. And I just, it was everything from memoir to biography and current events. And I loved getting in there and the text and the narrative and really helping to shape it. And all of a sudden, I was becoming a nonfiction editor. Um, and then I went to Echo to be the nonfiction editor. Um, they had a fiction editor. And I, okay. and I did the nonfiction. And uh, we never talked about food in the interview. It was just about that I was going to be the nonfiction editor taking on all these categories. And I started the job, and I was handed a couple food books under contract. Oh, so I was, my and next question was... that's how it happened. Okay. Do you, do you remember some of those titles? From I the- absolutely do. It was 2005. Um, and the first cookbook I ever worked on was Braze by Danielle Balud with mm. Melissa Clark. <laughs> not, and not bad. <laughs> that was a great entry. And luckily, I came in mid-process. So I didn't have to create the book from scratch because, my God, I would have had no idea what to do. I never wor- I never edited recipes. I'd never been to a photo shoot. Um, I don't know that I'd ever spoken to a chef before, frankly. It was an all-new world for me. Um, and I found it absolutely thrilling. And I, I got hooked right away and started telling people, I'm doing food now. I'm doing food books. <laughs> and, uh, and But that's where it began, 2005, with a, a Danielle Blue book. Wow. So, so then how long were you there? And did you continue? Um, did, you, did you then seek out to be in that category? Yes. I okay. was completely hooked. And uh, I was still the nonfiction editor. So I would say, I mean, when I started, most of it was in those other categories. But the more I started telling people I'm interested in food books now, um, by the time I left Echo four years later, half of my list was food. And it was a mix of cookbooks, both really established chefs, but also emerging chefs, but also food narrative. Um, and I really enjoyed the, the food writing aspect of yeah. these projects as well. So, um, yeah, I was completely taken with it and just delighted that I fell into this category. I don't think I would have ev- ever interviewed for a job as a cookbook editor or, or sought that out otherwise. So then what what was your role when, with working with chefs and cookbooks? Like, how, what's the process? Well, the process is different at different publishers. Okay. You know, when I was at Echo and then I went to Clarkson Potter for uh-huh. six years... Um, the process was, uh, was very agent driven. So a lot of proposals were coming in from agents all over town, projects that I was excited about. Um, and a lot of the, the books that I ended up working on came to me through that way. There were some projects I sought out on my own. Um, but at Fiden, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. It's more of a commissioning role. Um, my, you saw that in my title and in, in the traditional kind of more commercial trade book publishers, it's, it's more of an acquiring role, acquiring proposals. So, um, my role, the, you asked about the process, but it's, it's really about seeking out who it is we want to, who we want to publish, um, and looking at it from that angle, from the ground up and really developing these projects and these relationships with people and building the book that way. Right. Well, yeah, I jumped ahead a little bit. I guess going back, like what led you to Fiden? Because, I, I mean, looking, I was looking in that they, as a book publisher, they were founded in 1923, but they started doing cookbooks, and correct me if I'm wrong, in 2014? Actually, a little bit before that. Okay. I want to say it's maybe 2005. I think about the time that I started okay. doing cookbooks. Yeah, you're right. Fiden's been around almost 100 years. It's been decades and long been based in Europe and most recently in London and started doing cookbooks just 10 years ago or so. It's an art book publisher. Right. Yeah, it's Beautiful an art book publisher. So, yeah. And um, I came to Fiden because of Amelia Tarani, who is their publisher of cookbooks, art, and design books as well. 
And uh, she's Italian, and she was speaking to someone about um, the architecture and design books that we're doing. Excuse me, she's the publisher. Okay. Cookbooks, architecture, and design. And um, because she's Italian, someone mentioned to her the silver spoon, which is like the joy of cooking of Italian. And um, she oh, ended cool. up bringing that on board to, to Fiden's list. It was the first cookbook. And then from there, we ended up doing El Bulli books and working with Renee on Noma. This was before my time. But that was the first book. And she's really the one that, that created the cookbook category for Fiden and started to develop it. And now there's a, a whole team of us doing, doing food books. And it's a very strong category for us. Did you come in as a new position or was it replacing someone? And you're right, like as a commissioning editor... I don't know if I know of any other people with that title. <laughs> and I did want to understand more of what it meant because, it, yeah, it's, it's unique. I did come in as a new role for Fiden um, in the New York office. Fiden has traditionally had commissioning editors, but I came in March of 2014, and that was shortly after Fiden was uh, purchased by Deborah and Leon Black, who are our current owners, and they really wanted a major presence in New York, and so we had a brand new office that opened in March of 2014 when I came. So although some of the staff had been there, maybe in the London office or in, in a smaller New York office, this new kind of larger presence um, was filled with with new people, and, and I was one of them. So I was brought on to really expand uh, the list of North and South American chefs, food writers, topics. I mean, if you look at the books that I'm publishing now, maybe half of them come from other countries, or I have a lot of chefs in America who are from somewhere else. You know, So it's not that it has to be America-specific, but there is an America focus to the kinds of projects that I'm looking for, knowing that in the end, we need to reach a global audience. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break, and, and I want to get more into the books you're working with, but I'm thinking that's where I got the March <laughs> 2014. <laughs> so we'll take a little break and come back talk more with Emily. Stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center, Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Herald Square. From meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium, to galas in the renovated Palm House, and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy a la carte brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe overlooking Lily Pool Terrace. Chef Rob Newton and Chef de Cuisine Morgan Jarrett offer warm, distinctive cuisine with a focus on local vegetables, grains, and sustainably sourced meats and fish. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Emily Takudis. She's the Executive Commissioning Editor of Food and Drink at Fiden, a premier publisher of books, which I have here, including Bread is Gold and Where Chefs Eat. Uh, Where Chefs Eat, I have. 
bread is gold. I'm <laughs> a big fan of Massimo. Uh, so so let's talk a, bit, a little bit about these titles you've worked with, because you were saying you work with a lot of international chefs and the Americas. Yeah, it's definitely a thrilling a thrilling part of the job. Um, I've really worked with a range of chefs from all over the world, but as we said, there is this this focus I have of, of looking at what's what's nearby. Um, I've worked with Enrique Olvera, who we were talking about yes. before the show started. I just and went to Pujol. Yes, yes. such a special Mexico experience. City. So I worked with him on uh, his chef book called Mexico from the Inside Out. And that book we call a chef monograph. It's very beautiful, very high production quality. Uh, maybe the chef has a tasting menu. Maybe they're on the world's 50 best list. But it's about so much more than the recipes. They've had a vision um, and really built a career. And they there's so much that they want to show in these in these beautiful books that w- that we do these elevated chef monographs. So that was the first chef book that I did at Fiden. Um, and then I commissioned Virgilio Martinez of Central in Lima, in I, Peru. I went there. Oh, you did? Uh, Wonderful. B- solo, uh, on a trip about a year and a half ago. Lovely. <laughs> it was, um, I mean, it was special. I, I was eating foods and in- being shown ingredients that I'd never seen or heard before. It was goes for the Amazonians, or I imagine yes. working on that book, you must have learned a tremendous oh, amount. It was so exciting. I mean, it's one of the things I love about this job is I certainly don't have to pretend that I know everything about <laughs> food. I mean, working with these chefs and learning about the, the yeah, I mean, especially for Virgilio where, you know, it's so much about altitude and ecosystem and the biodiversity and such consideration for every dish with all of that in mind. Um, it was very exciting to work with him. Um, and learn so mm-hmm. much about all of the ingredients. Um, and from there, I worked with um, also Rodolfo Guzman of Borago in Santiago, Haven't Chile. been there yet. <laughs> Haven't been to Chile yet. Um, Put it on the list. <laughs> and then here, I worked with um, Danielle Burns, who had been at Lexus in Greenpoint here oh, okay. in, in Brooklyn. Did a book with him. Um, Jeremy Fox, who's at Rustic Canyon right, out there. in California, mm-hmm. um, ended up doing a book called On Vegetables, um, an elevated book of home cooking. Um, that he did. I worked with the chefs at Elizabeth Street Cafe in Austin, Texas. We published that book um, this fall. And in just a couple months, I'm publishing uh, Asuka with Frederick Berselius, his tasting menu restaurant in Williamsburg, also in Brooklyn. And then this fall, I have a book with Jeremiah and Fabian at Contra and Wild Air here in the Lower East Side in Manhattan. So it's uh, the chefs. It's a real nice mix of of ages, and you know some of them are very established, and and some are emerging and really just starting to make their mark. And um, it's so fun, it's so fun to work with these it's, chefs. It's I'm sure it is. So how? I'm just trying to think. How do you work with these chefs? And they're uh, I'm imagining some of them have co-authors or or prof- I don't know professional writers who help them do the book I don't know if some of the chefs do all the writing and everything themselves um based working with chefs and restaurants I know their schedules and the, are extremely busy and so finding the time to write a book and submit all the recipes like how do you how does it work I'm sure everyone's a little different but maybe there's a an overall pattern or well everyone is different I think the overall pattern is that we have a timeline to work in you know maybe I've been courting (laughs) them for a long time or I've been eating at their restaurant trying to get a sense of if they're they're right for our list and and once we move through that process and we have a signed contract we have about two years 
to publication. Okay. So that there is that overall pattern of knowing, okay, we have two years to work with, and I know exactly what has to get done in that time. What's different is the personalities that we're dealing with and their schedules. Some of them have one restaurant. Some of them have an empire. Some of them have one restaurant and then open several restaurants in the course of those two years, so their schedules change. Um, but the fact is we have a book to make in that time. And so, um, you know, I let them know really what the process is going to be like. What It's a two-year schedule, but it doesn't mean that they can deliver their manuscript halfway through. It's There's a real working schedule that's created, everything from the writing to the photography and on our end, the design and the production. And um, there's a lot of discipline involved, you know, in making sure that they stay on schedule. But it's so collaborative the mm-hmm. whole way through that we're, we're in it together. You know, it, it feels like teamwork in that way. Um, and for the writing, it really depends. It's case by case. Some people um, use co-writers, you know, people that shadow them or interview them or really help get their voice on the page, know them very well. Other people write the books themselves. Frederick Berselius, you know, ended mm-hmm. up uh, writing his book himself. And English is a second language and the writing is very eloquent. You know, so some people have a, have a gift of writing and some people, their gifts are come in other places and, and they have help with the writing and that's just fine. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really cool thing. I mean, I think, uh, well, how, why do you think, because I think there's so many more chefs doing books these days than there was 10 years ago. Why do you think that is? I think that... There's this new market for it. I'm amazed at how many people, just in my own circle, friends of mine who I I think aren't necessarily up on food or know what's going on, and they'll say, hey, did you watch that Chef's Table episode on Netflix? Or I go to their Instagram feed and they're taking pictures of what they're cooking or what they're eating. It's just, it's become so much more mainstream and not just what's happening in your own city, whether you're in Mm -hmm. Austin or New York or Portland or wherever, but people, there's this awareness of what's happening internationally on the food stage that is just no that's new even just in the last few years and I think that there are chefs that have been so proud of what they're doing and the evolution of what they're doing in the kitchen and they they have this almost performance of what they're doing every night you know producing the meal coming out and explaining the dishes and it's something that's so alive but to have something in a book form where they can really document it and say so much more about their story, about the context of the dish and how it was created, about the ingredients and the combinations. They're able to really create a different experience on the page. This is perhaps even more enriching, if you can imagine that, than just sitting down and, and eating what's in front of you. And they can reach a big audience, not only in their home country, but but globally. Right. And then it's also something permanent in the sense of like a sense yes. that they have from forever. You this know? may be the only book they publish, mm-hmm. this thing that we're working on so delicately over over a couple-year period. So it has to be something they're really proud of. And I tell the chefs and the food writers, because I work with, um, it's not just chefs as well, we do a lot of home cooking books from food writers as well. And I tell them, you know, when they come in and they say they want to do a book, I ask them why. And I, I make sure it's something they really want to do because it's a it's a big commitment. It really is. Oh, for sure. Are you also involved in, This is this is my... PR hat coming yeah. in. Are you also involved in the in the PR in the book tours or the talks or the 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 publicity for it when when it comes out? I am involved in the way that I'm in the editorial department. Mm-hmm. We have a publicity and marketing department. Uh, we have an office in the New York in in New York and also in London and and other cities around the world as well. So um, once 
my role as editor is done and we've really completed the book and it's off to production or it's at the printer, the baton is kind of handed over to publicity, marketing, and sales. And they do their thing. They create the campaigns. We figure out what the chefs are most comfortable doing on their tours and to promote the book. I'm very involved. I'm at those meetings. I'm involved um, as a group in the strategy of what the plan will be. But we do have dedicated people where that is really their role to create the publicity campaigns for the book. Yeah. How big is is Fiden in New York, your office? In New York, I should know the answer to this. I feel like we're about 25 or 30, okay. maybe. Our, the global CEO, Keith Fox, is in our office. Um, and then we have a range of people of all levels in all of those departments. And then we have counterparts in the UK office. And then we have a whole global sales team in the UK office as well. And people all around the world that are sales reps selling our books. So all told, it's more than the 30 in the New York office, but we're, we're yeah. a tight group here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you, all the books you named and the, the ones I know that just beautiful books and, and incredible chefs and, and writers you've worked with. It's a very impressive list. <laughs> and I'm looking forward, very much looking forward to Jeremiah and Fabian's book. Um, they're, they're awesome. How did they, I'm curious, how did they work together as writing? It's incredible. They, um, Alison Roman has come on okay. board to co-write with them. And, I haven't um, made her cookies yet. <laughs> Everyone's made her cookies. The shortbread chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so um, they're really incredible. I mean, they're just, they're such a tight duo. You know, it's there's the two of them, mm-hmm. there's the two restaurants, and there's this duality in everything they do, but they're really united. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's been very seamless and a very wonderful opportunity to work with them. And Allison has helped kind of pull it together on, on the page. Yeah, no, that, I mean, knowing them and knowing how they, they run their restaurants, I would imagine collaborating on a book, they would somehow make it work. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of <laughs> yeah. fun. And actually, in the book, there's some dialogue between them, and it's a, it's a really dynamic experience. You'll see when it comes okay. out. Okay, um, looking but forward. But it's, uh, there's a lot of them in there together, but them in there separately chiming in. Right. It's fun. So what what would you... For someone who wants to do what you do, I mean, which which sounds like I want to do what you do, <laughs> um, like how 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 do you suggest someone breaks into into being a a chef book editor? I think it's interesting. People, more and more people, have been reaching out to me in just the last few years, saying that they're interested in this. And how do they do? How do they do that? And um, my advice is just start talking to people. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't need to be an interview per se because jobs aren't always available. But just say, hey, can I pick your brain or have coffee for half an hour, an hour? Um, I find, and and my colleagues as well, we're always happy to talk about what we do because we're excited by it. You know, we're very rewarded by it and feel lucky to have have these jobs. Um, Internships are a great opportunity. We have internships and, and I know other places that do as well, whether it's a food festival or a magazine, it doesn't have to be a book publisher per se. But the interesting one of the interesting things about my role is I'm sort of half in book publishing and, and half in the food world. And so um, it's a good experience if someone thinks that's what they want to do to come in and see if they really are truly passionate about both camps because it does involve interest, you know, in both areas. Right. Yeah, that's good advice. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. And just for my regular listeners, just so you know, there isn't a question this week from 
Alan Shia for Emily just because last week there was a big snowstorm in New York City and we we weren't able to do the show but I have rescheduled Alan and he's going to be on my show on May 2nd so stay tuned for that and stay with us uh, we're going to take a little break and come back uh, with Emily so this is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network Hey, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare. At its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was, yeah, I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugar cane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. And we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Emily Takudis of Fiden, and it is time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I name a couple of things, and you just pick your preference. Okay. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. I'm wondering if I'm going to stump you on any of these. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. How about uh, small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh, chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with all-inclusive. Okay. Put in here editing or writing? Editing. I don't, okay. Editing. I didn't know how much writing you, you did. I obviously know you do editing. Yeah. I, um, I write copy for okay. book jackets. I write proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of writing this week, actually. So there is writing, but I'm not writing anything that will appear in a book. Got it. How about cookbooks or memoirs? Cookbooks. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Wow. <laughs> you know what you like. That was no it was that was good. <laughs> Very cool. Um so now it's time for industry news. I just picked out an article in the New York Times. It was by Tajal Rayo and it's entitled A New Generation of Food Magazines Thinks Small and in Ink. I always find I wait to the last minute to see what articles come about. And I saw this and I was like, this would be great to talk with you about. Because it's, it's talking about how traditional food publications have 
actually been shrinking and cutting staffs, but the, these, these very small print magazines that are finding a way to tell stories and, and some of the titles include Ambrosia, Peddler, Kitchen Work, Jari, Toothache. I mean, they had some funny names, Mold. Um, but uh, what's your what's your take on this? I think it's fantastic. I read the article this morning coming from Brooklyn mm-hmm. to Manhattan. <laughs> and, Good um, reading. I think it's uh, I think it's really great. I mean the they're really taking the time to to focus on a particular you know a lot of these issues have themes so they really can dive in mm-hmm. to a certain uh, kind a certain topic. Um, a lot of them are really beautifully designed. Um, there's so much passion. I mean, I was reading too about, you know, a lot of these people have day jobs. There's a mm-hmm. lot more going on in their lives. This isn't necessarily what's bringing an in income for them, um, but it's something they're so passionate about and they seem so collaborative and so beautiful. And they're telling stories that I think are perfect for journal. Maybe they're not ready for book form. You know what I mean? But that's, it's an avenue and a way for um, people to write and present what they're really passionate about in the food space. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great too. And it was saying a lot of these were their side job and just something they were passionate about and saying no one's telling the story of, there was one ambrosia of food and culture of of another city and like telling these stories or uh, the way they were looking for that information they had. So why not do it themselves? Yeah. Seemed to be a lot of of the theme. uh, And they was also saying how, I mean, they're not, what was one, not, that cheap publications one was around twenty dollars, mm. but I think it's a and they're not printing that many either. I think it's a very um, niche market for everyone. But yeah, they're doing. It's also uh, you know also another thing I was thinking about is how a lot of times people say oh print is dead and this no. whole thing was like print's not dead because some of them weren't even online. They're just doing doing print publications. Print is not dead. We're selling more cookbooks than ever before. There's such an audience for everything about food and place and travel, and uh, print is not dead. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't argue that it was, but yeah, some, people's, some people say everything's online now, and, but I have a pretty pretty nice, nice cookbook collection, and it's just something I can't... I keep telling myself not to... No more, no more, and then I, I can't, I can't help myself because yeah. I, you know, there's so many beautiful books out there, and and this also these magazines. I'm not, I don't, I mean, I'm, I was familiar with some of them, like I knew of Jari, which mm-hmm. actually combines food and queer, which mm-hmm. is all, you know, its own category. Um, there were some quotes in here from people who have shows on Heritage Radio, which was who also have, who have are in publishing, like Claudia Wu uh, of um, Cherry Bomb. Mm-hmm. So they have their podcast they do on Heritage Radio. They have Cherry Bomb Magazine. They now also do a conference. They're saying, like, in a sense, her perspective was you have to do more things if it's you're making it into your, I guess, your, your whole career. But at the same time, um, it, you know, if you love the process and then and you get the joy out of it, like, do it. It's it's an incredible, like, publishing Print is an incredible thing to do if you're passionate about it. And I think it's beautiful that there are so many more journals now. They're not mm-hmm. just thinking, as you said, not just thinking about websites, but they want something that you can hold and really look at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's great. I think it's, um, and it was nice that this got a big, big feature in, in the New York Times because it will be bring awareness to all these publications that are out there. Absolutely. So. 
Okay, so we're going to take one more break, come back, I'm going to do my solo dining experience, and then we'll have the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, I'm flashing back to a recent trip I had in Miami when I visited Stubborn Seed. That is the name of the restaurant, and here's the rundown. The location, 101 Washington Avenue, Miami Beach, Florida. The concept, chef-driven spot for contemporary American cuisine, pairing unrelenting passion with unapologetic approach. The chef, Jeremy Ford, winner of Bravo's Top Chef Season 13, and his partner is Grove Bay Hospitality Group. So why did I go? Well, I was curious about this Top Chef's food and also to check out the vibe at this new restaurant on South Beach. So my experience, I went as a a walk-in when I was down for South Beach Wine and Food Festival, um, one night when I, that I was free, and I was able to get a seat at the bar where I, I had a partial view of the open kitchen, which is through a glass window in the main dining room. The bartender was really friendly, guided me through the menu, and I had a nice time. So what did I get? I had the Jojo Tea Cured Copia with finger lime, cara cara, and spicy celery broth. And then for my main, I had the Wild Aura King Salmon with Anson Mills Peas, Caper Sofrita, Smoky Pork, and Tomato Dill Vinaigrette. And also complimentary came Little Parker House Rolls. So my take, that bread was irresistible. (laughs) I uh, held back at eating the whole thing. There were like four little buns, but it was incredible bread. And the cobia was beautifully presented, and actually I should say it was coolly presented. So it came with smoke emitting from the plate from liquid nitrogen, which is a little trick the chef does. The fish was light and delicious. And my salmon was perfectly cooked, really paired nicely with the tomato dill vinaigrette. So it was a nice seafood meal. The ambiance. A contemporary yet casual space with some art deco and industrial accents. I'd say it's perfect for solo dining at the bar or dinner with friends. Interesting tidbit. So Chef Ford previously worked at John George's Matador Room at the Miami Beach Edition Hotel, and I once dined there and had a great meal. 
personal fun fact. So over the weekend, I ran into Chef Ford at the Best of the Best event with South Beach Wine Food Festival. Uh, so I got to talk with him. We took a selfie and um, tell him how much I enjoyed my dinner. The cost was $51. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. Their website is stubbornseed.com. So there, do you ever get down to Miami? I used to go quite often, but I haven't been in a few years. That sounds great. Yeah, it was great. It's been interesting. I grew up down there, and it's been interesting to see the food scene, how it. I think it keeps getting better and better, and, mm-hmm. and there are a lot more, more options, and, and chefs are doing cool things, so... Uh, yeah, that was that. And it's time for the final question. Okay. So next week, my guest is Dara Pollock. She is of Skinny Pig NYC, which is her website and also her Instagram handle. She is a freelance food writer and social media influencer. So, Emily, what would you like to ask her? Yes, so I actually, on her Instagram, she had some sort of ballet dance reference, I noticed. And so... Um, Looked looked that up and realized that she had also trained as a dancer. So I'm I'm always fascinated by people who were in the dance world and have somehow found themselves in food or hospitality. So I'm curious how uh, she thinks that dance experience um, is part of her her life now in the food world. It's great. I'm glad you have. You know, we're going back to back, and you have that in common because I know a little bit about her background. And yeah, she you know found a career outside dancing mm-hmm. um but um i will ask her okay see what she has to say so that's the show uh thank you so much like i i've i'm so glad i've gotten to know you through the industry a little bit and learned more about what you do now here on the show i'm i think your your career and everything you do at Fightin is is amazing and I look forward to all these new cookbooks coming out and also the ones I I don't have that I need to get that you've done. You've worked with a lot of amazing chefs. Well, thank you so much. It's really been such a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you. So my guest today has been Emily Takudis, Executive Commissioning Editor of Food and Drink at Fiden, a premier publisher of books and their website is Fiden.com. You can find them on social media at Fight and Snaps, at Fight and Food, and at Emily Takudis. And uh, I don't know if I should spell out Fight and, maybe, do people not know. I'm going to spell it. P-H-A-I-D-O-N, Fight in. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee now. And you can find me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So you can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to my guest today, Emily. Thank you to my engineer, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with another live show. I hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. But the seeds